Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Monday, the 22nd of February. It's V-Day as the COVID-19 vaccine rollout program officially begins in Australia. Phase one starts this morning with hotel quarantine staff, frontline healthcare workers and aged care staff and residents first in line for the Pfizer jab. The health minister hoping to see 60,000 vaccinations in the next week. Yesterday, ahead of the national rollout, a small group of aged care residents, frontline workers and even the Prime Minister received the jab. 84-year-old World War II survivor Jane Millisack became the first Australian to be vaccinated against COVID-19 at a medical centre in Sydney. We're very proud of you being here with us today and, and uh, the wonderful story of your life here in Australia. So you're ready to go, Jane? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Ready indeed. And while the Prime Minister says no one will be forced to get the vaccine. There is no mandatory uh, compulsion on anyone in this country to have it. But I do know Australians from how they've responded already to this pandemic and they have been the source of strength for the results that we have achieved, that the Australian way that we have embarked on, we will continue and it steps up a whole nother gear. The program set to be good news on the health front, but also for the economy. And we'll have more details in our business and finance report with Peter Switzer shortly. Over to the UK now, and a new target has been set for its vaccine rollout program, with the British Prime Minister announcing every adult in the UK should be offered a COVID-19 shot by the end of July. One in three adults has now had their first COVID vaccine. Here's UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock. We now think that we have the supplies to be able to do that. We can see that the NHS and all of those partners and All those working on this have been able to deliver jabs at about half a million a day, which is an incredible effort. It comes as COVID infection rates and related deaths start to fall in both the UK and United States. Also making news this morning, a third woman has reportedly come forward accusing the man who allegedly raped Brittany Higgins of also sexually assaulting her. The Australian reports the young woman, who was a Liberal Party volunteer during the 2016 election campaign, alleges the then-political staffer sexually assaulted her after a night out. Ms Higgins, who broke her silence last week over her alleged rape inside a senior minister's office at Parliament House in Canberra, is expected to lodge a formal complaint with police this week. And concerns are growing over the health of Prince Philip. The 99-year-old has spent a fifth night in a London hospital after being admitted last week on advice from his doctor. Prince Charles paid a visit to his elderly father over the weekend. It comes just a day after the Queen stripped the Duke and Duchess of Sussex of their royal patronages and military appointments after Harry and Meghan confirmed they won't be returning as working members of the royal family. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Monday morning. First to Victoria and the Australian Open is done and dusted for another year and this year's event is one that tournament organisers would like to put behind them. James Lake reports from Melbourne and James, there were calls of course for the Open not to go ahead at all with players and fans not happy with the restrictions this year. More than a thousand players and officials were flown into the country and put into hotel quarantine all at a huge expense. 
And from day one of the Australian Open, it was going to struggle to draw crowds. Capacity at Melbourne Park was capped at 30,000 per session, but only around half of that was still showing up each day. Then less than a week into the comp, all of Victoria was put into a stage four lockdown for five days, leaving stadiums empty. Lockdown lifted with four days to go, but the financial damage was already done. Tennis Australia is expecting to report a loss of more than $140 million for staging the event. And as it concluded last night, the crowds booed. It was all in response to closing remarks thanking the Victorian government and optimism as COVID vaccines have arrived in Australia. There were two winners, at least though, from the whole ordeal. Naomi Osaka and Novak Djokovic both taking home checks for $2,750,000. To New South Wales now, and the state's police commissioner will not be joining the Australian Rugby League Commission after being blocked on legal advice. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Yeah, Tash, our state's top cop will no longer be vying for a role with the NRL. Police Commissioner Mick Fuller has been blocked from joining the board of the ARL Commission based on legal advice. Fuller's name was put forward as a way to help clean up the NRL's image, with the game recently losing a major Bunnings sponsorship due to player behaviour. The move to appoint the police commissioner was met with backlash, though, some saying it could cause a conflict of interest if a player had a run-in with police. The vacancy on the board will be filled in at a later date. The WA Now and the latest news poll shows a 12.5% swing to the Labor government ahead of their election next month. Our reporter Eleanor Harrison-Dengate has more. Thanks, Tash. As we know, the Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan is remarkably popular, but it turns out, according to this latest poll, he's the most popular Premier in news poll history. 83% of respondents saying he'd make a better Premier, while opposition leader Zach Kirkup only managed 10%. The LNP is now in a tight spot. If things go badly for them come March 13, they could be left holding just two seats in the lower house. It's meant the opposition is now amping up its message about the dangers of a government with absolute power in Parliament, while trying to avoid outright criticising the Premier, whose hard border stance has been widely supported. Meantime, Mark McGowan himself has said to take the poll with a grain of salt. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Peter Switzer from switzerreport.com.au. Peter, as we reported earlier, the vaccination rollout program officially kicks off today and it's set to give the economy and stocks a shot in the arm also. That's right, Tash. The Prime Minister Scott Morrison and the country's chief medical officer, Paul Kelly, were among the first to receive COVID-19 jabs on Sunday in an attempt to boost public confidence about getting vaccinated, which starts across the country today. But this is not just a health matter, but is an important economic issue with the PM using the jabs to put pressure on state premiers to stop snap lockdowns and hard border closures. Lockdowns not only affect freedoms, they hurt businesses and slow down economic growth and job creation. In fact, in the US, where the vaccination process is ahead of us, stocks related to companies that will benefit from vaccinations, such as casinos, cruise lines, and other leisure-related businesses, such as airlines, are seeing their share prices bike. And on that subject this morning, Peter, a prominent fund manager says it's still time for stock buying. Yeah, one of the country's most well-known fund managers, Chris Stott of 1851 Capital, says he's never been so bullish on stocks. That's industry lingo for he wants to buy more stocks and doesn't fear another crash of the market anytime soon, despite stocks rising 
54% since March 23 last year. That's huge, but we are still below where the market was before the coronavirus crash stocks. In fact, we are 2.7% below that level, and Chris Dott says low interest rates and the great economic data coming out now says the economy will be strong going forward, and so stock prices will benefit. If he's right, our super funds are in for a great year. And Peter, the fight continues with Facebook after that bombshell announcement last week by the social media giant banning news content for Australian users. And you have a bit of an update on negotiations with Facebook. Last Thursday, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg did the dirty on the country's treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, slapping a ban on Australians accessing news content on his platform after promising he would negotiate further and wouldn't shut Australians out of news on Facebook prematurely. It was the action of a fake friend, if you like. Well, the good news is that the pair are back at the negotiating table. The treasurer says talks continued over the weekend, while Google is now having talks with the ABC to do a deal. The problem for the likes of Google and Facebook is that if they do a deal with us, the other governments of the world will want a deal too. And that's why these companies have been resisting paying for their content they use. However, Google is playing much, much fairer with the likes of Nine News Corporation and Facebook is starting, apparently, to talk to these groups. But the reality is Facebook is more behaving like something that should really be renamed Fakebook. Peter, I might like that comment. Well done. We'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like it as well. For sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett Novak Djokovic remains the king with another dominant win at the Oz Open. Yes, good morning, Tash. Unfortunately, we had a couple of one-sided finals at the Australian Open and both followed a similar path in that it was a competitive first set between Naomi Osaka and Jennifer Brady. And similar last night as well, Daniil Medvedev took it right up to the Joker in that first set. Was broken early, then then broke back. That set uh, went 7-5 the way of the world number one. And after that, Daniil Medvedev just uh, really fell apart, which is disappointing because he took Rafael Nadal to five sets in the US Open final a couple of years ago. But uh, last night, unfortunately, Djokovic just way too strong. And we always said that all that Rafael Nadal had to do was to turn up to the French Open every year and he would catch Roger Federer's mark of 20 grand slams which he has done. Novak really just has to keep turning up to, to Melbourne Park and he'll get there as well. His 18th Grand Slam singles title, now just two behind Roger and Rafa. And with the way he's going at the moment, the fact that he was able to play through that injury and he, he spoke about, um, he understood why people questioned how severe that was when he said he had a tear, but certainly there was a, a, an injury there. The, the way that he was able to fight through that after the third round, then play another four best-of-five set matches and win. It's phenomenal. We keep waiting for this next generation to come through, and it doesn't happen. So you dare say that at some point, uh, Novak might catch up to Roger and Rafa. He's an incredible player. Also this morning, Brett Hawthorne's coaches responded to these interesting suggestions the club could be moved to Tasmania in the future. Yeah, this is the big talking point in the AFL, and it came about because of uh, Jeff Kennett, the president of the Hawks, a, a couple of weeks ago said that well, he couldn't rule it out, basically. It's, it's the famous, uh, we don't rule it out, so maybe it, it could be a possibility. It's really not a possibility, I don't think, certainly in the short term that Hawthorne would uh, would move to Tasmania. Financially, they're still a strong club. But the issue is is that they, they could lose a, a $4 million sponsorship arrangement with the Tasmanian government because their contract to play uh, four games a year in, in, uh, in Tasmania comes up at the end of this season. And uh, their Premier has said that there's no guarantee that that will be renewed with Hawthorne and also North Melbourne, who play in Hobart. 
Um, so Alistair Clarkson, we hadn't heard from him about this. He says that obviously he believes that the Hawks should stay uh, in Victoria, but believes that Tasmania deserves its own side. So rather than relocating a, a Melbourne team and having you know, an existing fan base just to give Tasmania its own team and, and Darwin as well and make it a truly national competition, uh, expanding it to areas where the AFL is strong. Obviously, they've gone to Gold Coast and, and Western Sydney where the game wasn't as strong, but to actually have teams in the heartland of the AFL, so make it 20 teams in, in the AFL and a, and a truly national competition. And to the NRL, Brett, some great signs from the Titan superstar recruit in the All-Stars clash. Yeah, absolutely. David Fafita, we're going to be talking a lot about the Titans this year. He was only supposed to play in 10-minute bursts, but uh, ended up being the best forward on the ground uh, for the Maori side. He was phenomenal. 141 metres gained, six tackle breaks, and ended up playing 62 minutes. He's got another trial match coming up against the Warriors before round one, and, and he's targeting... He wants to be an 80-minute player and uh, and believes that his fitness is, is almost up to scratch there. And obviously, the other big talking point still is with uh, Cameron Smith reports today that the NRL has told the Broncos and the Titans that at a minimum they would have to pay him half a million dollars uh, a year. So that, uh, that is still continuing, uh, although the Titans have said they haven't spoken to Cameron Smith. Surely if Cameron Smith came out and said that he was open to coming back, that they would probably um, have a chat to him then. And whether or not they've actually spoken to his, his management, if they haven't spoken to Cam Smith directly, that's also still a question mark as well. So watch this space with Cameron Smith. But uh, yeah, very good signs from David Fafita on the weekend. Great news. Brett, thank you so much. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country for this Monday morning now in Brisbane, sunny and a top of 34 degrees today. Shower set to continue for Sydney, 27. Possible late shower for Melbourne today, a top of 20. Shower or two for Canberra, 28. 20 degrees and partly cloudy today for Hobart. Partly cloudy conditions also expected for Adelaide and 23 degrees. Very hot and sunny day today for Perth, a warm 39 degrees expected. And a shower or two on the way for Darwin and a top of 31. And one of the most famous marriages is over, with reality star Kim Kardashian filing for divorce from her husband, Kanye West. The couple has been married for seven years and have four children together. Kim reportedly filed the divorce papers on Friday after months of speculation the marriage was in trouble after the rapper's bizarre Twitter outbursts and his brief bid for the White House. It's believed the couple signed a prenup, which is set to make splitting up their $2.1 billion combined assets easier. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Velling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.